we're back again. I was, it's like a relief every time I start this, uh, this recording up. So today we are back with Red and Rue. And we are covering all sorts of topics related to preparedness. Mm -hmm. And so we want you to join us on the Forsake of Argument podcast uh, Facebook group. Um, search us up on there. We've got a little questionnaire. Join you up in part of the group. And we just basically want to have open discussions about every topic out there. Right now, we're covering medical. We're covering emergency preparedness, that kind of thing. So join us in that conversation. Putting a lot of photos up of what we're doing. Uh, the last episode, we built these first aid kits, you know, to kind of throw in the truck and use on a daily basis. And uh, we're trying to, you know, add to that. But we're also trying to get into the mindset of like, you know, there was a big push um, in the late 2010s where they started having a lot of TV shows and stuff about, you know, preparedness. Mm -hmm. And there's this under this, you know, underground movement of people prepping and they called the preppers and they had all kinds of shows and people buying, you know, missile silos and trying to turn it into a fallout shelter and all these silly things. And I think we all looked at that and we're like, yeah, that's interesting. But the reality was, is we kind of always had that in the back of our head anyways, as far as Rue and I growing up in our family, we yeah. always had the mindset of, we got to be understanding that there's going to be some bad stuff that happens in the world, and we've got to be a little bit self-sufficient. So, before we start this off, Rue, you, there is a, a bit of a story that you have about what got you into preparedness, because I'm turning, Abrams has a history with trying to be prepared, but I have not put the effort and the legwork in that Red and Rue have. So tell us about your, your oh, entry into this. Man. So yeah, to your point, we, we grew up in a, um, religious culture where, <clears throat> where cult, church, culture, <laughs> where, uh, you know, preparedness was a constant reminded, we were constantly reminded of it. We were, it was, it was built into our faith tradition really to be prepared. And so it was always there in the background, but when I, um, you know, left that religion late in my teens, I kind of put all of that behind me yeah. <laughs> and, and really wanted to not be living in fear. I didn't want to have this kind of thing looming over me. Um, it felt a little too panicky to me. So, <laughs> uh, you know, Red and I met when we were relatively young, right around the time that I was, you know, stopped going to that church and, uh, it, he and I, you, you could probably attest to this. We had nothing in common. I'll, I'll attest to it. That's, uh -huh. that's not entirely true. <clears throat> we had almost, we had some really big things in, in common as far as philosophy and, and faith. Yeah. But let's put it into context. Did you guys live really close? No. 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 Did you guys go to the same schools? No. no. Okay. Did you guys per do the same activities in school? No. No. Okay. Didn't well, have we didn't have similar socioeconomic status. We didn't have a lot of uh, similar interests. That was really what I'm talking about, a similar interest. We didn't have that. And so what we had was an infatuation, as teenagers do, right? Like, we yeah. were just obsessed with each other. Love but is love. Love is love. But we didn't have, like, these common things we did together. But I would argue that the, what we did have in common was more foundational. Right. True. And it was able right. to build a better relationship than just two people who were mutually into sports. Or right. well, You had the moral compass and you had the... Yeah. Um, the drive for the same things. The you same wanted, kind of true north. Right. You yeah. wanted a family. You wanted to establish yourself as, as a foundation together. Mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't about individual success as much as it was about how do we create success together. Yeah. You know? But what that looked like was still unknown because we didn't really have many things we could come together on other than those, you know, like we didn't have like, we didn't go golfing together. We didn't enjoy watching sports together. We didn't listen to the same music. We so just, what was your guys' thing early on? 
It was just that we were in love, truly, for years, for years and years and years. So it was, it took, I don't know, we were like five years into marriage, about four to five years into marriage, after dating for three and a half years before getting married, that, to your point, around this time frame in like the early, mid, uh, I don't know, 20 aughts, shall we call it? Like 20 (laughs) aughts. Where, you know, he was in the military, I was home, I was a full-time student, and I had a little small business I was running, and... uh, I spent some time just, you know, having on the TV on in the background and Doomsday Preppers was one of those shows. That <laughs> so really, oh, that's oh, funny yeah. I mentioned that. Then. Yeah, ah. uh-huh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't think you know know this whole story. Oh, I, I, I honestly know nothing about okay, this. Okay, this is, yeah, this is a first for you then. But uh, so I started watching this and it was like something turned on in my head where I was like, wait, wait. I'm seeing a common theme amongst all of these, regardless if people thought it was the world would end in solar flares or the world would end in nuclear um, disaster and fall in the blank, a pandemic. What? Um, (laughs) Who would? That'll never happen. That'll never happen. (laughs) So you're. I'm watching this stuff. I'm going. There's some common threads that make sense to me. That in each of these scenarios, you could end up with social unrest. You could end up with food shortages. You could end up with. Panic buying. Right. Or a lack of water, clean water supply, things like that, that I, I thought, you know, usually the truth is somewhere where there's common threads. So that part stuck out to me. And I, but because of my background, I thought, oh my gosh, this makes me a nut, a total absolute nut. And I didn't want to be associated with it. So I, I kept don't want to be them. I don't. It, I mean, obviously these, some of these people were absolute nuts. Some of them made a little bit more sense, but a lot of them were crazy to me. So I think that's the way most people viewed the show. Right. For sure. (laughs) It was more like what Tiger King is now, right? Like you're kind of watching and you don't want to admit that you've watched it. It's a train wreck and you got to watch the train wreck happen. I know. So that was definitely my take. And I kept it really quiet because I was embarrassed to be honest. But at one point it got to, it got to this level where I was like, I think I need to tell my husband (laughs) that I'm into this. This is so sad. This sounds like somebody coming out to their spouse. It really was. It was like I'm a I'm a I'm a like closeted, closeted prepper. prepper. And I, so I I I think at that I keep p- having these thoughts about preps. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's distracting I've me from us them and putting them under our marital bed. Like <laughs> so <laughs> so finally one day I I try to approach it as I approach many things a little sneakily and I was like, "Honey, watch watch this crazy show." And we watched an episode, maybe two, I don't remember. And Red's like, rah, rah, re, kick him in the knee. Right. But I didn't know that at the time. I was just watching him like a hawk. Like, what is he thinking? And we get to the end of it. I'm like, so what do you think of that? And I was, I was like, that that's awesome. <laughs> and, and the thing is, for me, it wasn't even so much the idea of like, oh, we're, we're, we're prepared in case of solar flare or, or whatever the thing was for the for the episode that we watched usually like three people on there um and they go through all of their stuff but for me it was like all right i like camping i like shooting i i like like so much of the stuff that they were going over i was like i i like that stuff already right so to me this wasn't a like oh no let's let's be afraid of this apocalyptic scenario and and try to do the best we can to prepare for it it was like hey let's combine all of my hobbies and in the meantime we'll we'll just be more prepared in case something bad were to happen we'll, we'll call it preparing what, right. what? <laughs> so so imagine my relief like seeing that not only does he not think that this is totally crazy but he's actually 
kind of interested in it. And it truly was a turning point for our marriage, for our relationship as a whole. We've been together for like seven years and here we, here we well, are. Now you finally have an open relationship. Out. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. Well, you know. Um, open to prepping is what I mean. <laughs> open to prepping relationship. <laughs> it was a big decision, but <laughs> we felt it was right for us. So We felt like if prepping could stay in the other room. <laughs> and stay out of our bedroom and be if we okay. were honest about it. Um, so yeah, we we did. We started kind of brainstorming and, and talking through it, and I, it was still kind of tentative. Like we were, I was still feeling him out to see how far this would go, <laughs> but it really became kind of a um, a binding together experience for us that we learned where that we had something in common for once, and we got to work together on this like this goal as a, a couple that, you know, we can, um, we can do training together. We can make strategic purchases that make us feel like we have a little bit of something saved back in case something were to happen. So they were initially things like a 72 hour kit and building out that, that bag in case we needed. And, and it really was important too, because we were living on the East coast at the time hurricanes happen. <laughs> We'd actually already had a hurricane blow right past us, but this was my second duty station. Right. And in our first duty station, um, we had a hurricane go right past us and we, we didn't get, we, we got clipped. Like we didn't have any major damage, but it was one of those situations where, you know, there was the massive run on the grocery stores right. and everybody's locking up their doors and some people are just getting right. out of there. Right. So, and, and a part of the military, um, emergency response is that your, your chief will ask you or your uppers will ask you what your plan is for getting out in case you need to evacuate or if you are going to hunker down, how they can reach you and your spouse. So these were conversations that we had to start having anyway. How are we going to save water? You know, when we live in an apartment on base and we can't have like a 50 gallon barrel, you know, (laughs) so what are we going to do? And you get creative and you have these uh, great conversations and it spun into a whole like adventure for us to figure out how we could, yeah, we just came, we came together around. I'm probably going on too long, but. Well, what's, what's nice is it, from what I've seen of it, there's two different roles that have been played. I think Rue, you've done a great job as far as like, we're going to put this on paper. We're going to organize this. We're going to make the system out of this. We're going to turn this into its own, um, his own existence. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes talking. Nerd. Yeah, I did. I was, I'm a total nerd in our relationship. <laughs> and on the other hand, you have Red who's like, cool, I get all kinds of fun stuff. Check this out. Oh, Check out my gear. Rue, I just found this. This is so cool. You know, yeah. like, oh, 100%. He gets to nerd out in his own Still way. And is. training. Yes, and, and training. training. Yeah, training yeah. and tools was his thing and, and organizational skills were kind of my forte. We, we did. We took that and... Um, built out kind of a system for organizing some of the stuff because what I didn't like and probably because of how we grew up was that some of the stuff was just so scattered and it just built up and what it created in me was a lot of anxiety and I mm-hmm. didn't want that. I didn't want this like stockpile of things that was just bar- like burying me. To be specific, we had a stockpile of food that was canned when we were very young that never got touched, but we moved it. Uh, over and over again. <laughs> and, and there was a little us. bit of a hoarding mindset in your family. There was hoarding yeah. issues. And it, yeah. it literally was like this dark cloud that followed us. It was like, you have to be prepared. But oh my gosh, You yes. don't want to eat us, but <laughs> we're going to be here. We are hard red when, wheat berries. <laughs> when you need frijoles and rice, we'll be here. Oh my gosh, it was that's so true. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that back. Um, yeah. Well, so, but it spiraled and you decided to take a different direction. You're like, no, if we're going to prep... 
we're going to do this in a way that's meaningful that we can use. Yes, right? for sure. And, and not from fear. Not True. from fear, but out of a, a Abundance desire of to, caution. Well, a desire to like, well, because it was kind of not exciting, but it was kind of, well, it was. Because it was, it was the first thing that we got to really come together on. So it was like, <laughs> yay, something we have in common. Um, so it was definitely not out of fear. It was out of like a desire to do better and to, you know, just almost put fear behind us. So we didn't have to have like, oh gosh, what if this happens again? Uh, we, we aren't prepared for it. No, we have, you know, we have a water bob we can put in our bathtub, fill up with 50 gallons of water. So, you know, we're good there and, and we've got some freeze dried foods and we've got to go back and really it did start to spiral out into like, oh wait, we could do the, we could do like camping and we could kind of test it out. Like, do we have all the equipment we need? How fast can we get it into the car? It became like this kind of competition with ourselves. That's what, oh, okay. So in the previous podcast, red throws me a tourniquet. 25 seconds, bam, got that sucker on tight and cutting circulation yes. off, okay? But, like, I know what you mean with that mindset of, like, you, you become competitive with it, but in a healthy way, a healthy competition in a, in a relationship is super good mm-hmm. because you keep raising the bar for each other and you're doing it in a positive direction, like you said, that kind of just eliminates the ability to have a fear of what's going to happen. But it's also goes back to that last podcast that we had when we were talking about that preparedness mindset that, that that's somebody else's emergency. And when you can do the mental reps and, and know that, like, I don't care what it is, no one saw COVID on the horizon. Right. I, you know, the, you can say, well, we knew a pandemic could happen. No one thought it would be like it, it was, right? And so... <clears throat> well, not, I'm sure some of those doomsday preppers thought. Sure, and they probably felt super justified. Yeah. yeah. But the reality is, is there wasn't a specific threat. You were just generally saying, "I want to be self sufficient." Right. If some if economy collapsed, whatever it can be, anything, and that mental rep kept it when it finally did hit. That that's mm-hmm. why we're calling this particular podcast Rally Point COVID yeah. RP COVID, yeah. because this it turned into like a we we have our rally point. We know where our supplies are. We know our mindset. It's already done. Like oh okay, so we just shifted from normal life to. Now we're just living the way that we expected we would live. Now, right. you're not in a tent. Luckily, we're still, we're, we were, all, tent, yes. we're all able to keep a roof over our head during that time. There are some Goodness. things we, our family was pretty, pretty lucky. Yeah. But, um, but that's, I, I thought was a great tie in with the previous episode with, with this one as well, which is like, you know, just, you have to do that mental rep. You have to be somewhat prepared mentally. And, and I think that ties into what you guys turned it into, which is methodical. Yeah. Well, and I know a, a big thing for me was just thinking about the practicality of it was that we'd already been through one hurricane. We were going to continue to be on the East coast for another several years minimum. And so there was a very good chance of us going through another hurricane. Uh, we had come from the Midwest where there were blizzards, you know, and, and you tornadoes. had the same and tornadoes and you had the same kind of run on the stores when the blizzards were coming that you did when the hurricanes were coming. I, I remember a, an ice storm that hit the region that we used to live in. And holy smokes, that changed everything because you literally couldn't even get out of the house. Weeks went by. And if you didn't have it in the house and you didn't have electrical backup and whatever, I mean, you were back in the Stone Age real quick. Yep. Yeah, and so there's just there, there are so many things that where prepping doesn't have to be about doomsday. Correct. And it... it it's in fact, it's a lot more practical to prepare for the more likely scenarios. And you know, there there are some scenarios that are more likely than others, and some scenarios that you can prepare for 
without half that or might be a little bit less likely, but you can prepare for them without having to add too much to your uh, your preps. So like I, I was thinking about the fact um, I like to call them compound casualties. Um, and I've heard them referred to as other things since then, but I started calling them compound casualties back in 2012 when we started this, so I don't care. Um, but essentially, things like Katrina. So you had the hurricane that happened at Katrina, and that was one casualty. Then you had you know the levees break, and you had the, the massive flooding, flooding yeah. and then you had people getting trapped in there. You had people like fighting to, to survive and they couldn't get help. And then finally they were getting help, but they were being rallied into the Superdome and being all cordoned off. Sanitization issues. You know, so there, there are just so many issues that happened and there were, there was lawlessness. There was under a martial law situation. There were looters and all, all kinds of bad situations. And it all spawned from that one casualty that just kind of got made worse by several things. So you could be prepared for a hurricane, but are you prepared for the flood? Are you prepared for that kind of a martial law situation? And how much does it really add to your uh, to your work on preparedness to add like a little things like that? The probability of a martial law thing happening, not very likely. But getting together with your, your neighbors... And being able to prepare for and and get a, a little bit of a plan in place for if you're in a situation where people might be trying to rove into your your neighborhood and steal your stuff, I mean that that's that doesn't add a ton of work to it, but it's still a good idea. And again, it's doing that mental prep, it's doing that mental repetition of how I prepare for these situations. Luckily, you guys had some actual legitimate threats of hurricane right. to kind of push you towards it. There's a lot of people that live in like a San Diego, California where it's 72 degrees every day mm. and they don't really get bad weather too much. And the worst thing they, the, you know, they were shocked when they had to deal with, you know, the wildfires. They're like, Holy crap. What do we do? We have to evacuate. Wait, wait. <laughs> but then what do we do? Meanwhile, do we over live? here we have 72 hour kits in our basements all of the time in case of a, a tornado and the preparations we were making were just an expansion of that, you know? Right. Like, okay, 72 hours is just the initial period of time when unrest can really unravel things and, and shake up your world. What happens after that? Do you have two weeks or three or four weeks where you could survive a situation where there's a shortage, where there's, you know, long-term impacts, or you have lost your job and you don't have enough money to feed your family? You know what makes me think of is like a lot of people, don't, I don't think, plan for the regional problem. They plan for the national, the catastrophic event that wipes out half the nation or something. You know, they make these crazy ones. What if it's literally just your power grid went down mm-hmm. and, and it's for some local emergency or, yeah. you know. Texas it, well, yeah, recently, Texas. That, that's absolutely what happened, right? I mean, they, they lost power due to a, a historic cold snap. Yeah. Um, but the effects are still going on now, two months after the fact that people are without clean water and they need a hot water heater and they need um, new pipes put in their home. And they, need and they have every- mold growing in their home right. because they weren't able to get mediation in place already. Yes. And, and I mean, the cost of lumber is ridiculous right now because of shortages with the resin to make plywood, which drove up the cost of everything in lumber. Mm. Um, I think there's more to it than that. But. Sure. But, you know, I mean, just generally speaking, we're facing more and more situations where shortages are happening i know early on with covid rally point covid um Um, there were shortages i I was making notes about this before the podcast there was shortages with uh toilet paper immediately uh there were needless well wait a minute don't don't 
don't venture away from that. That was actually one of our strong suits. Oh, that was. We had we had prepared toilet paper shortage. Oh, and, and that's the thing is that we, <laughs> because of the um, our, our time on the East Coast and for being prepared for a uh, possibility of hurricanes, we didn't want to have to go out and do those last-minute grabs right. with everybody else. So we kind of got into a habit. We went and we got the, the great big Sam's Club mm-hmm. size uh, <laughs> thing of toilet paper. We got two of them. Mm-hmm. So that way, whenever one ran out, Just we would go and pick, get another one. And that way, minimum, we had one full thing of toilet paper. I'm yeah. silly. I use Costco, and I use their big packs that are like, yeah, I don't even know. 50 so something ridiculous, 48 at least. Um, but I have four of them, and anytime I burn through one, Ooh. I go and get another one, yeah. which is completely unnecessary. I'll never use that much toilet paper. But I've got it. And I do the same thing. For whatever reason, I fell in love with their paper towels. Mm. And so I have this paper towel fetish. I literally was at Costco yesterday, and I picked up another thing of paper towels and another thing of toilet paper. Well, yeah, but you're in a situation where... The mind doesn't forget. You're in a situation where you've got you and two young girls in your house. So, you know, you run through it a lot faster than Rue and I. But even, even so, it was still a situation where all of that panic toilet paper buying... And we're, we're sitting just, here comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there was also a shortage on formula, you know, that um, changed our buying habits. You know, mm-hmm. certainly we, we all of our preparedness up to that point had to include, included children. Our, our daughter was born immediately before COVID hit. So, right. you know, our change, uh, we had a shift for that, but there were shortages for seeds. We were okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, some places I think uh, in, what was it? Michigan oh, well, wasn't Michigan. allowing you to even buy seeds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that actually did become a thing. They yeah. were literally cordoning off yes. the pods yes. that held the seeds on them. Like, you can't buy seeds. Because that Why? would encourage gardening. We yeah. can't have you outside gardening. It would, get, oh. it would encourage non-dependence on the government. How Well, I mean, there's literally, me. okay, not to get off on a, on a tangent, but when it comes to, like, the I level of lockdown. <laughs> well, the level of lockdown that, that we started facing is currently... As of May 2021, is occurring in Canada right now. There's videos of literally Walmart taping off aisles because it's considered non-essential goods, and people are not allowed to even go down those aisles to shop because they're not non—they're non-essential goods. Wow. You know, like that—that's. Luckily, we're not in Canada. For that's sure. All I'm saying. But you never or Michigan. know. Or Michigan. Or but Michigan. you never know where you're going to be and what your government agencies are going to decide, or private businesses, or things or say that are you're outside traveling, of yeah. vacation. Absolutely. Yeah, there were some people that were outside of the country when all of this started and they're still outside the country, yeah. not able to get back in. People stuck on boats and yeah. anyways, I'm, I'm diverting but, too much. <laughs> yeah, but all that just to say that, you know, it was kind of a, a moment where we, we got to look at each other and go like, this is what we prepared for. And again, not out of this terrifying fear of a, a solar flare or the reversal of our polarities, but just... Generally speaking, there are a number of things that happen around uh, tragedies or uh, large events like social unrest, like shortages, like, you know, that we had prepared for and it came in handy. But, you know, I'll I'll tell you one of the things when I think about preparations and I realized, you know, at that time you guys were on the East Coast. Luckily, you know, we all kind of live in a consolidated area now. That time frame would have been really you don't have that network. Like you've got friends. Uh, and I'm sure you had plenty of friends through church and activities and mm-hmm. work and, you know, military. I'm sure there's a lot of people around. But the ones that you could trust with, like, again, it's like coming out of the closet with, oh, I'm a prepper. Oh, you weirdos. Right. <laughs> you know, so you didn't really have that community where it's like, oh, no, it's okay to talk about these things once in a while and to address these issues. Um, one of the things that just got to me was, like, communication. 
if that hurricane hits, now you're, you're literally cut off from all your family who would actually be able to want and, right. and want to help. Yeah. You know? At that time, we because of our communication limitations and to your point, we didn't have any family there. Um, we did institute kind of a, in order to save battery life, <laughs> we <laughs> had one point of contact apiece, uh, our mothers, of course, um, who we would communicate our status to, and they could disseminate that information to the family uh, as needed. And then we had um, like solar backup <laughs> just for our cell phones that so we could have a solar battery backup and, and recharge our phones um, in case and we lost power for a long time. Yeah. And that's such an easy option now. Yeah. Like I think when you were doing that, that was kind of new tech mm-hmm. and nobody was really doing it. Now it's no big deal. You walk into Walmart, like five different options on solar powered battery packs. No, right. when she, when she got it, it was something I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Cause it was a, <laughs> it was a solar panel that you could unfold and hang on the back of your backpack right. yeah. in order to, and it had a little USB outlet so that you could plug in whatever USB charger you wanted to do. And I'm just like, this is amazing. Like, I, this- I'm still geeking out over that purchase. It's okay. It's still a solid purchase. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And here years later, like it's not, it's not that uncommon, but like at the time it was really cool. And I was really proud of her for, for jumping in on that. Well, and, and those things come in handy again, not just for a large scale emergency, but for things like overlanding or camping. And those were other activities that we started to bond over and wanting to, wanted to do. And we could implement some of the skills we learned. We could implement or use some of the tools we had purchased to help in, in just those everyday activities too, which made us more familiar with our gear. Like we talked about in the last podcast with first aid kits, you want to get familiar with that stuff and use them frequently. Speaking of, as we were sitting here podcasting, I re-injured a, oh, a no. cut. I, I had a spring. I was working on a motorcycle yesterday, and I had a spring that cut my hand. I didn't even know it. And so I was bleeding all over the place. I'm like, oh, where did it come from? And it was just tiny little cuts on my hand. And I just re-injured it while we were doing the podcast. Dang. And guess what I did? I opened up our new first aid kit, and I immediately put it to use. And I used the, exactly what it's for. Yeah. yeah I used yeah. the clippers to clip the skin back so that I had nothing hanging. And then I put a bandage on it, and I feel like a million dollars. That's right. I back, back. So happy. Brand is new. Brand new. <laughs> Love it. I'm all patched up. I'm all patched up. <clears throat> but, you know, so leading into this, you guys actually took a lot of care to talk about different situations. Yeah. Um, shall we call them planarios? You guys wanted <laughs> <laughs> family reference. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> but you guys wanted some planarios where you had yeah. stuff for camping and then you had stuff just for your standard preps for your home and that sort of thing. And there, there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of the equipment that gets used both places, but there's also distinct purposes. For sure. You know, and so how did you start organizing it? Was it something that you had some people that already had some like ideas out there for you or were you like, you know what, let's just come up with our system? I think, we, so correct me if I'm wrong. I think we started thinking through the different scenarios we thought were most possible mm. that we yeah, that weren't so outlandish. What would you say were the most possible at that time? Because now, obviously, we can say, like, you know, pandemic, global pandemic. but Hurricane was, yeah, was hurricane. obviously the biggest. And then, like I, like I said, like, I, I was thinking about, like, compounded stuff. So I was thinking, okay, well, we could have a hurricane here. Well, what happened with the hurricane in Katrina? So I'm thinking about situations where, okay, so there's some social unrest, maybe panic, um, people going to a possibility of people trying to come and take your stuff because there's a shortage of supplies. Um, definitely thinking about uh, floods because we were, we were in a pretty low lying area. You mm-hmm. got a, not even a really strong uh, rainstorm and it would still flood out that place. Yeah. But were you guys low enough that sea surge was an issue? Mm. No, not so much. There just was really bad drainage in that, okay. uh, in that uh, area of the city. We were a bit literally in a swamp. 
okay. uh, that had been, you know, as as the military does, they buy yeah. swamp land and then build it up a little and <laughs> call, call little it a beach. base. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you, I think you know things like doomsday preppers would kind of rate different scenarios like pandemic or solar flare were some of the most reasonable ones that they had listed. Like, actually, these are both really possible. But regardless of which uh, trigger happened, right? the fallout was pretty much the same. Like True. we talked about, The response right? was very similar. Yeah. So really we started thinking about that and then boiling it down to, there are going to be some situations where we're going to want to stay in our home and make that a defensible position that we have what we need in place. Or in other situations, we may need to get out of here <laughs> pretty quickly. So, Or even to the extent that you're already gone. Right, right, right. Exactly. Beforehand or immediately after or, you know, hopefully that. Otherwise, you're, you probably need to hunker down where you yeah. are. Um, but so we kind of separated the situations out into that and really ended up with a, a kind of 72-hour kit in our vehicle at all times. And we had a communication plan in case something happened while we were away from the home. I mean, she even had... Of like hiking boots and stuff and socks in her car because you know obviously Had? females okay sorry their females have a tendency not to always wear the most sensible of uh, footwear so no what? so she always <laughs> she always had these hiking boots and and socks and stuff or still has in her vehicle <laughs> mm-hmm. just in case something were to happen and we're out somewhere and she's like well crap I've got to get around or do some walking or whatever I'm not going to do that in these shoes let me put on right. those funny enough that was one of the only preps that Max's wife was willing to make with me oh no <laughs> was, we, we always had uh, we came about it because of kids yeah and you realize that kids are going to mess up their clothes and so we always had a spare cl- change of clothes both long sleeve and short sleeve you know summer and Seasonal, winter yeah and then we had a pair of shoes and socks for everyone. Yeah. In the car, 24-7. And that's a great example because it's another scenario where you have to constantly refresh it mm-hmm. as the kids grow. So, And it's a similar thing with the rest of your preparedness tools and stuff. You need to continually check in on them, make sure they still make sense for your family. And I think that's something it's important for people to grasp is that preparedness is – I think that you kind of – almost have to draw a line between preparedness and prepping because prepping has gotten such a yeah. connotation of the, the doomsday preppers, the hoarding, or, right. right. Prepping, that, the prepping, you know, quote unquote prepping word, I think is more associated to the doomsday and slash um, hoarding portion. Right. Yeah. Right. Preparedness. And just preparedness being that, Hey, you know what? I, I've got, I've got action plans and I have, gear and stuff like that Adaptable set in place systems. Yeah. yeah in case i have something that I, I need it for and that's something that i might need it for is exactly what you did right now where oh i got a cut or it could be like uh, my vehicle broke down on the side of the road or it could be like you know my kid messed on their clothes or it could be something of like hey the society's going to hell in a handbasket right yeah, so we, we ended up with kind of three different levels. There was the kind of that immediate short term that was always with us. Okay. Then there was kind of that mid-range get out situation. And then there was sort of the hunker down and be at home. And you can't take everything with you, but you need to at least have the most important things with you. So we, uh, you know, I, I made like a number of different plans and actually built out like a three. I have a, th- it's actually here with me now. I, I pulled it out. Um, three ring binder with different those different stages or scenarios and things that we would want to include if we had to take plan A or plan B or plan C. Right. Uh, I geeked out to the point that I had like Excel spreadsheets, had 
<laughs> I was going to say, uh, I, I am aware uh, of these. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, for those different scenarios, so that you can, planarios, to check off different items from that list, um, make sure you have what you need. And we really ended up having like, so the camping gear is really what it was, was kind of that mid-range plan. We had it in the garage ready to go, already stocked up. Um, I had so you're talking 45 minutes of, of loading. Oh, well, way less than that. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, just, yeah. I'm saying yeah. like ultimately like, okay, hey, we know there's a problem. Right. We're going to communicate. Because like, I look at the, like the from the moment you know there's a real problem that has to be addressed to the moment you're gone, yeah. I, I think a 45-minute window is beautiful. Yeah. Because, yeah, maybe it only takes 10 minutes to actually throw the stuff in. But you, like you want to communicate with family what's going on right. as much as possible. You want to get a plan. You want to get as much information inbound. Yeah. as possible before you start that trek because you know they start shutting highways down highways get packed from evacuations that's that's really what it was i mean the that scenario was really going to account for things like uh everyone's getting evacuated soon or we suspect that people will start the evacuation process it might be for like if if you were in a situation where your home was at th- in threat of being consumed by fires wildfires in california that's about what you would need right you're not going to be gone for 72 hours maybe God bless, that's all it is. But it could be longer term. What else do you need for your dog, for your kids, for you? Uh, that might be more than just the absolute necessities. It might be a couple of comfort items as well. So, I mean, I geeked out to the point where I had like the literally a visual plan for how we would stack up the truck yeah. to account for the different, like the camp kitchen and the um, the sheltering well, supplies. And was that like based that. off of just the size of it all or did you actually no. pack it and try? Oh yeah, we packed it and tried. We also, it wasn't just based on size. It was based on the, the immediate need. So things that we probably wouldn't need unless we were actually like unloading the whole truck would go near the back or the bottom things that we might need for protection or safety or whatever would come, would either be at the top or at the back of the truck that we could easily access. So yeah, put a lot of, we have a different vehicle now, so I probably need to update those plans, but for sure, yeah, that's what this is all about. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's part of why I wanted to talk to you and interview you both about this because you two have taken a lot more time to put it on paper where I've ran through scenarios in my head. You know, I've, I've done the plenarios, but I haven't really, put pen to paper and I haven't really taken the items and, and put them in there. I've, I've gone camping out of the back of my truck. I have a, a pickup truck and I have a short bed on it, but I have a, a mattress that goes in there mm-hmm. and I have a tent that can pop up in it and I can haul all sorts of stuff, including my kids, you know? So I'm kind of, you know, my head, I'm like, I already know what I'm going to do. And there's very few things I'd want to take with me. If I did have to kind of get out of town for whatever reason, I want to like in my head, I'm always thinking run light, you mm-hmm. know, I'll figure out the resources on the back end you know, take the security and the protection that I need and then just go. Well, that just makes me think of the old uh, military adage, failing to plan is planning to fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the thing is you might run through stuff in your head, but if you actually try to enact something, you might find that there were some some failures there in your ideas. And that's one of the reasons why we planned it out like this. And that's one of the reasons why, like going camping, we'd try to set up a spot. All right, so we, yes, we've got the camping trip all planned and we know that we're going to do this, but we're not going to pack anything. Mm-hmm. Until an hour before we're going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And not move it either. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Leave it in situ. (laughs) See how well you did. And then from each of those scenarios, we, uh, on the back of each of these pages, we had things like the major takeaways. And I would put each of these into like a protective sleeve. And then I could take a dry erase marker and check off items off the list as we were loading things up into the vehicle or after the fact, writing things down like, oops, we forgot X. Um, we should have done this a little bit differently. We didn't have this in place. We didn't restock it from last time. 
Well, she even put down lists of like organized items in a way that we had like absolutely essential, um, good, uh, good to have. And then just kind of like would be nice if. Yeah. Right. I, I'm looking at it right now. I've got <laughs> a legend for it. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's one of the things that, um, so th- but that gave us a, a priority of, of things to get. So if, if we put ourselves on a hard timeline of, we have to get out by this point, then we're organ we're loading up things in that order so that that way like if if we if the deadline hits and we've got to go we got to go and whatever we don't have we don't have one of the other uh, key things too was not you know we had that uh, small scale quick response that medium scale uh, longer term situation but then we had that very long term like in place in our home situation so you know, for that one, um, one thing I started to realize is we put all of that together and organized it well, <coughs> making sure it wasn't a hoarding situation. We had what we needed, but not more uh, than was necessary. Uh, it became really clear to me that some of <laughs> some of the guidelines that people were putting out there, like, oh, this is a 72-hour kit, uh, you'd actually start to look over it and go, yeah, no, that's not going to hold me over for more than a day and a half. Like, <laughs> I don't know what calorie counts you guys are working off of, but this is nuts. Or bare survival. Yeah, but absolutely. I, which, yeah, I think the I think the standard things that you go and look at, um, food prep wise, especially, um, but also goes into just you know basic necessities, water purification of water, that sort of thing. The the numbers they put out there are just the worst case scenario to mm-hmm. just so you don't die. They're not comfortable living. Right. And I think the the goal should be build your you build your kit, build your you know, your plan area for comfort and then peel back what you don't need. When you find you're not using something, take it out of your system. Right. If you're gonna yeah. keep using that planario word, you're gonna have to explain to the listeners what that means. <laughs> well, we don't like the word scenario. For a multitude of reasons. Right. And we all twitch when we hear that word. Yeah. And so instead of, you know, using the word, we decided to come up with something to just pick on it. And it just happened organically in a text thread with family members. And it was something somebody's like, what's the plan? What's, what's the scenario? What's the planario? And then we just, <laughs> we're, we're sticking with it. Absolutely. We're going to turn it into a trend. Hashtag planario. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So for that, we I started uh, getting really into trying to figure out what the caloric intake was for me, for my husband, for our dog at the time. Like, what do we all actually need versus what these companies have sold us? And what we ended up finding was that we didn't have six months worth of food. We really had like three and a half months worth of food. And not just looking at calorie count, but looking at the macros. Right. That was another big aha because they pack this stuff full of carbs. Oh, sure. And you don't have a lot of protein. And, and we could argue that if you're in a situation where things are super dire and they have been for like a year or two, you're probably going to go out and hunt something and get protein that way. But generally speaking, like there's very few vegetables. <laughs> there's very few, very little protein. And, you know, we, we started to realize that pretty early on too, that we needed to adjust our needs to really account for who we were and what we needed. To your point, not just to barely survive, but to actually make a livable situation. And we weren't planning for necessarily a like year down the road kind of thing where we're going to all have to be hunting with with twenty twos and and spring traps. Right. You know, we were we were planning more for the the more likely things to happen. Like, you know, the neighborhood that we were living in towards the end of our time in Virginia was the uh, it was a place that had very sandy soil and had a lot of trees. 
And so anytime there was a storm with decent wind speeds, trees at coming least over. one tree was falling down. Yeah. And I was and told. you only had one or two ways in and out of the whole neighborhood. Yeah, there were, so. there were two roads in and out of the neighborhood. And so we had, uh, I had been told by our neighbor about a few years back before we got there that they had a hurricane and a whole bunch of trees came down and they were trapped in there. And so thinking about a situation where like the, the power's out, the water was out, like, you know, you had, and you were out there with other guys trying to clear out all of that, that brush so that you could drive out of your own neighborhood to go and get supplies and stuff. You if know supplies what? were there. Right. Well, get, well, yeah, any, to do anything, but we have to somehow get out of the, the, the neighborhood. You know, I want something that's got more than just carbs. I mean, that's, that's hard work. Like that's, that's not just getting me some, uh, when you're in a high stress situation, so you got a higher stress level, especially if you're heading into wintertime, mm-hmm. wintertime you burn more calories. <clears throat> and it's not just about having the calories. Like you said, it's about the macros. You don't want to start being nutritionally deficient in areas because right. then your body's not healing, you're not resting properly, and you're it's a downward spiral. Yeah, for sure. So we put together some some tools to do that on our own, and uh, I, I definitely think it enhanced like our, our preparedness in that respect. And certainly when, you know, RP COVID happened, <laughs> we, we, we felt pretty confident. Now that doesn't mean that we don't keep checking, making sure we're still in a good situation. I think that's really key about any of these scenarios is that you need, don't rest on your laurels. Like yeah. every month or two, just kind of recheck things, um, make sure, you know, you ha- you don't have mice getting into what you've already prepared or, you know, I kind of had this mindset for a long time of, um, and it, it, you know, when I was with my ex-wife, we both had this idea of if we didn't use it in the last six months, <clears throat> or we're not going to use it in the next six months, so basically like a year time frame, why are we keeping it? Why are we storing it? Why are we having it in the house, right? So we started doing that. You know, it helped with efficiency when we moved, not to have a bunch of extra junk, but it also kind of kept things relative to like, it, we're here now, there's a bunch of stuff that's no longer relative. And what it taught me was, especially with my preps, when I'm carrying this pistol and I'm carrying this knife, I'm carrying these things. I have to use them. I need to find an excuse to use this stuff. And that's why we talked about like, it'd be really good to go on camping trips and really good to do these overlanding trips and all this stuff because it tests those preps and it lets you find out real quick what works and doesn't work. Like I I laugh when I see like these emergency ponchos that are in our first aid kit. I, Mm -hmm. I just laugh. I'm like, that emergency blanket, that emergency poncho, they ain't doing nothing. Like they're better for alternative sources than their primary source. Mm-hmm. If you really want to be safe, if you uses. really, yeah, uses. But if you really want to um, be efficient and and actually do things right, you have to plan for those specific incidents. And so many times you go out into the field and you test your equipment and you find out real quick, like, oh man, I was nowhere near prepared. Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> oh, we were so far behind. I'm going to have to f- totally re-strategize this whole system. Yeah. And one of the things I, so there's a, a YouTube channel that I really enjoy watching and he's not built around prepping, but he's, he's built around gear reviewing. He started as an LL Bean gear reviewer and would write for the magazine oh, and, and no. talk about stuff. And then he transitioned that into firearms, tactical gear, that sort of stuff. Really goofy dude, but watching his stuff, you get like this idea like, oh, it evolves over time. There's no stagnant, like this is the end-all be-all answer forever. And that's what I enjoy about watching, you know, programs like that when people are testing, reviewing stuff, 
they don't allow themselves to stop in their system and say this is it. Mm-hmm. But uh, he has a lot of philosophies that are neat, like the size and weight constraints. That is just something that's built into everything that we do. We There's only so much room you have in your vehicle. There's only so much room you have in your backpack. Yeah. You know, And so when you're doing these things, you're always looking for the lighter option and the better option. And you always want to upgrade. You don't want to go backwards in technology. You're talking about like the solar panels on these battery packs. It started as a thing where you'd drape it over your backpack. And now... Last summer, you know, went out onto this island, Cape Lookout, and our entire battery source for two days out there was just this little tiny solar panel that was on a on a battery pack, and that thing kept everything charged: watches, cell phones, everything. So you know, the technology improves. Well, then we get to you know we get to diminish that size and weight, and that allows us to have more capacity and more comfort, really, ultimately. So um, I kind of sometimes I look at my system and I'm like, wow. I've got a lot of holes because I've got an old tent system that, yeah, it'll fit me and the kids, but I could really improve the quality of what I'm carrying if I'm going right. to go into that situation and, and the capabilities too. And so there's things I'm looking at of like trying to move my system into more of a mobile platform, like the overlanding stuff I've really been interested in because it takes this prepping world, if you will, of like this, you know, understanding that you need to be mobile somewhat. Sometimes you need to hunker down. But you need to use you need to use the equipment and figure out what works. And so I think like the direction I'm going in some stuff is is I wish I was as organized as you. You're literally sitting here with this three ring you know three inch binder and have it figured out. And and that's an older system. And you're you know you're going to update it. Yeah. But uh, if only you knew somebody who was that organized who could help you yeah, with your like stuff. Templates or something. I know. Mm. I feel. I feel like there's something in the works. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that was actually Stay one of the tuned. one of the cool things when uh, RP COVID hit. Um, we did rally as a family, and one of the things that popped out was you know some Excel spreadsheets that we were able to start going through. And I still use that sheet to this day. I have pull it up on my Google Drive all the time, uh, just going through like, oh yeah, I'm still I still have these big gaps. I've got enough to get by. Yeah, but I do have gaps if it gets worse than what it has been. I think that's really key too, because in the beginning, as I'm thinking back on it, there was sort of this urgency in my mind, like, oh my gosh, now that we're both on board with this, we need to like get all the things right now. And there was sort of this like franticness to figure out what the best tent was, the right. best because uh, you want to get the minimums socks, like right away, right? But ultimately, what we really needed to do is just get the basics. You could go to Walmart. You could go to Home. Um, I was going to say Home Depot. We've been there way too many times. You make shelter out of Home Depot. You could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just don't buy wood. Like you can't. Yeah, we used we used to joke on on watch that if the zombie apocalypse were to break out. That we'd we'd all just go to a Home Depot or a Lowe's. And right. That's where we'd camp out because you've got you've got pretty much everything you need. Improvised for, devices right. everywhere. Yeah. Well, but right. <laughs> but I well, was but not not of, just for defense, but you can make a garden and stuff out there. You can start growing your own food. I yeah. was I was thinking dollar store, but you know, there's there's some basic <laughs> stuff that you can get that can if it helps you to get your mind at ease and feel confident that you have some of the basics. We're talking shelter, water, food, sanitation. Right. Yeah, a lot of times these these things that pop into your head are like little it, little itches that need scratched once in a while. Right. And you realize like, oh man, if, if today something was different, I'd need this. Or, you know, especially when you start having kids. And there's this rapid evolution of what each individual in the family needs. Yeah. It's incredible how these these change our, our dynamics. You know, now it's, I can, I have to think about where are my kids? Are they with me at the time that this stuff goes down or are they not with me? And then how do I verify their safety? And they're like, you know, I'm in a kind of different boat than you guys are right now. But, you know, <clears throat> if Red's out working and you're at home and, you know, and you're with the kids and he's, you know, he's gone, like 
okay, how are we going to communicate and coordinate, yes. you know, going to that next level? And so <clears throat> as we go through, this is kind of the starter podcast of like entering into the prep and, and start to understand that like, hey, we need to have a plan and a guide, you know, to get us through this. And, and even if it's ad hoc, completely mm-hmm. off the cuff, like you did, you said, hey, I know what we need for this situation. Let's just make a checklist and go through it. Even just starting at that point is a really good, you know, good starting point. But there's so many more subjects to cover. Yeah. And so eventually we're going to cover communications, I think, is a huge part of what we need in our that, system. That was our gap, right? Was yeah. I think we, we addressed some of our main topics that needed to be addressed. And we felt pretty good with a lot of it. But communication was really outdated for us so um and mostly because our communication plans were based off of what we would have to do on the east coast and if we're all in a more concentrated area as a family and a support network and you know how do we do that a little bit differently so really opens up some capabilities yeah potentially and and really it comes down to that iteration it you know it's okay to start out a little rough (laughs) with some basics maybe not super expensive or the best gear continue to build on that you know um it, it probably wasn't until like at least six months in that I started to feel like, oh, like we've got some of the basics. We're doing okay. <laughs> we were not making a lot of money then. You know, we we were kind of just getting the very basics and we've continued to build it over time. Make sure it's still relevant. Do you guys feel like there's major holes still in like your plan right now? I think communication. I think communication is definitely a hole. Um, I would I would like to get Rue some more medical training. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I've been through some... I've been through basic first aid stuff. I've been through some trauma stuff. I'm I'm not an EMT, but you know I could definitely uh, handle a lot of situations. And if something were to happen to me, yeah. I feel like you know she'd be up a creek. Um, well, and on top of that, a lot of that training is specific to adult behavior. And when you got infants and toddlers, it's a whole different world medically. Right. It is a whole different you know experience, and so. Maybe getting some specialized training in those areas. And, yeah. Yeah, I've started know. to do, I did first aid um, for specifically small children and, and that's, you know, helped put my mind at ease, but there's, that's a whole big pivot, you know, like we talked about, like formula all of a sudden became something I wanted to, not stockpile, I'm not talking about like the, the crazies that bought like, you know, tons and tons of toilet paper and wiped it off the shelves, but just enough that if it was out of stock for two weeks, my child wouldn't starve. Right. It's just the the basics that make you feel like you've got a little bit of wiggle room in case something happens. But every year that our children get older is another opportunity to, or even season, because Mm -hmm. they change size so much. They change their needs so frequently. Um, So that's just a a big change in our plan, too, is how how do we account for that and continue to adjust as they grow older and our needs change? Yeah. Now, is this, you know, for the for the Facebook group out there, I'm sure they can compile their own resources. They can, you know, kind of figure out their own system. But is there any resources you guys have used over the years, whether it be books or TV programs or even just, you know, things that you've come up with yourself? What kind of resources do you think that you would turn somebody to who's getting started with this? God, it's been so long since we started. I, I have some books on the shelf. We could probably pop into that Facebook group just okay. to uh, reference as good references. Some of them are big books that you you know want to kind of peruse. They go into deeper um, topics. Some of them are um, small pocket-sized ones that we've put into our 72-hour kits. But so much is online, too. Uh, we can definitely share some of those. And if, if there's enough requests for it, I could probably put some of the templates out that I've come up with as well if, if they you know are helpful for anyone. Yeah. 
Where do you go to red when you're thinking about like you know because you you are much more into the gear and the and the you know firearms and the and the toys if you will as as guys like to see it you know we see it as toys but where what are your resources when you're trying to figure out what kind of gear and equipment you want to set up with so honestly so much can be learned on YouTube yeah but again you have to be discerning yes about your sources so um, as far as looking at if you're if you're looking at firearms gear, uh, Aaron Cowan of Sage Dynamics I think is one of the the best uh, sources out there because he torture tests stuff like and he's a former law enforcement officer so he really um, he knows how to use stuff before he became a uh, a firearms instructor he knows exactly what kind of use stuff is going to go through yeah. and he punishes it to see if it will uphold if it will stand up to that that kind of uh, uh, tough use. Um, I used to watch, um, gosh, now I can't remember his name. Um, he's got a channel called sensible prepper. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he, uh, Such, Such, Such. double zero. Yeah. Um, some of his firearm stuff as it went later on, it seemed like he was kind of selling out. Like he, he said that there was nothing wrong with the, uh, the Glock 44. And meanwhile, Every other, uh, which is the little twenty-two Glock that they came out with. But meanwhile, almost every other source that I'd seen was talking about how it was having really bad jamming problems. And so that was kind of something that made me raise eyebrows. Yeah. But um, but as far as like he's got a, a channel called Sensible Prepper that that actually has some some pretty good information on there. Uh, the Warrior Poet Society. Yes, Warrior Poet Society has. I was oh, just watching videos of his today. Oh yeah, he he's got phenomenal stuff on pretty much any topic, and he's actually got. Uh, there's a Warrior Poet Society network, which is a subscribe subscription based uh, streaming uh, network that they've got tons of stuff on there that's really really good. Um, there, I, I know a lot of other people probably have other. Uh, other people that they look at, some of them are probably pretty good. Um, I, I've a lot of the um, the more standard prepping stuff because I've I've gone through it because I've already um, got a lot of my gear and uh, done a lot of my my training and stuff. I haven't really followed up with um, with new stuff, new stuff that people are coming out with. After you know the fifth time that you've watched a new video <clears throat> and seen the exact same information, you kind of start to get feel like you're you're wasting your time yeah. it would be better sent pursuing uh better spent pursuing other uh other out avenues but uh yeah those are those are all good sources um uh, rue will probably put some of the books that we've got i've read through a few of those that have got good information um and you know we can if, if people have questions uh, by all means get on the facebook uh group ask some questions uh, you know, we can go through and we can look at some stuff and we can steer you in the right directions if we don't have answers because we'd much rather have you get the right answer from somebody else than lie to you and get, give you something that's going to hurt you in the long run. Yeah. yeah. Kind of the kind of last little bit, you know, before we, we tie it up is I just wanted to throw it out there that like the biggest key thing to take away from this conversation is you have to try it. If you bought something and, and have the idea that you're going to use it for any purpose whatsoever for your preparedness plan, whether that be a firearm, a knife, a light, um, you know, a bag of, you know, first aid kit, uh, you, you name it, get training on it, get experience with it, go to a, go to a specific training for those things and find excuses to use them. Put yourself in situations where you're going to need to use your equipment yeah. because your system on paper is one thing. Your system in, in reality is a whole nother. 
Yeah. You know, I, I can't drop it, you know, red, uh, my, <clears throat> my background, I had a lot of firearms training and a lot of, um, you know, stuff that I'm pretty confident in my abilities, but I understand that like, there's such a huge gap between when you have these skill sets practiced and drilled so much that it's like second nature versus somebody who's never dealt with it. Absolutely. And so, you know, you, you went and took a lot of, you know, specialized firearm training and and first aid coursework and, you know, Rue, you've dealt with, you know, in in your sector of business and your sector of things, you get a lot of training. And and I think we all recognize that like you have to rely on somebody who knows more than you about the subject Mm -hmm. And be humble about it and be like, okay, I'm here to learn. I need to try this. I've, you know, jujitsu. I mean, you name it. There's a million things that you could, that, to me, fall under that umbrella of preparedness. Well, that's one of the wonderful things about Rue is that she actually came out to me, came out with me to do a bunch of that, uh, a bunch of that training. No, no, she, she completely came out of the closet to me and it was complete As shock. Prepper, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, a prepper. So she came out with me uh, to a bunch of those firearms training courses yeah. and she learned a lot. There was actually a, a period of time where she was a better shot than me and she didn't continue training. And that's the only reason why she, she's <sighs> not anymore. True. Um, true story. <laughs> but no, she, and she did martial arts and stuff for a while. And you know, so she's, she didn't just say, hey, this is your wheelhouse. She she very much said, okay, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to learn this stuff too. Yeah. And, and Red helps me with preparedness as well uh, as far as like food preps and things. Like he'll move things as I inventory them. That's <laughs> so nice, isn't so it? Nice, so nice. <laughs> Where did I put that? <laughs> I sometimes have to be the forklift. Oh, you know what? We all have a role to play. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know, you, uh, we, I even had in in this binder as I've been looking it over during the podcast, uh, an area where we went through our strengths and our weaknesses because we wanted to put it all out there. Like what are, what are we really good at? What do we feel like we could, how do, how can we play to each other's strengths so that we're not trying to do things that aren't in our wheelhouse where someone else may have a natural aptitude for it. You still want to cross train. You still want to be able to learn these things. And that's why we go through these exercises, but I won't put you on the spot, but do you think that there's uh, the strengths and weaknesses still hold? Do you think you guys oh. have moved on? Oh, let me look at it again. Hold on. Hold that note. <laughs> because, because to me, these plans are about how old do you think? Like, mm. when, when did you start making these out? I bet, are these like 10 years old now? Some no. of these original no. ones are Some, older, but probably, I don't know, well, six a or lot seven. Of the stuff that you, a lot of the stuff that you did on these has been... Less than five years. Okay, let's read this. (laughs) My strengths were listed as creative, insightful, inspiring, and convincing. Mm. Decisive, determined, passionate, and altruistic. Uh, Weaknesses were extremely private. You have no idea how hard it is to do this podcast. (laughs) Perfectionist. Always always need to have a cause. Can burn out easily. These all hold true from my perspective. (laughs) Uh, Red, knowledgeable, quick thinker, original, excellent brainstormer, energetic. I'm not so much of a quick thinker since the accident, but I'm... I'm, I'm trying to find ways to, to work on that. You're still one of the smartest people I know. Yeah, but I, I've, I lose words all the time. That, that phasia is that a, a bitch. bitch. Yeah, we so say that a lot in our house. Yeah, <laughs> so I lose words. I lose my train of thought. It's it's very difficult for me, especially because I was. I was very quick thinking beforehand. And, you know, that accident really... That really set me back in a lot of ways. Well, and weaknesses, it says very argumentative. <laughs> <laughs> uh, difficult to focus. 
I'll, I'll tell you on the I argumentative think these all still part. Last, yeah. I think I think you've toned that down some, and it's gone from argumentative to more of of conversational. Mm-hmm. At least from what I've witnessed. Now, I don't. Yeah. You guys got your own thing. I'm not going to press that. But <laughs> I'm just saying, Let's like, argue about that. you know, like we. It's just neat to see how you had those lists of characteristics. A lot of them do carry, but still, I think we recognize that like we've all made improvements from yeah. where we were five, ten, fifteen years ago, and that's kind of the whole point of this whole thing is got their experience life like it, sitting down doing the podcast this is how many years in the making like, i don't know how, you only told me about this like, <laughs> we, yeah, well we i'm could, saying yeah. to, to have the information to sit and talk about these subjects yeah. and the interest and the, the you know hey we're going to pick up and start figuring out what we need for our family plan you know that started years ago right and then the idea to even sit and do a podcast you know that that's been a while and so all these ideas kind of kind of coming to fruition and i realized like oh this is just a sign and a recognition point for me to be like, we need to, we need to write down these thoughts and we need to record these podcasts. And then we need to go out and live life again right. and figure out these systems and, and make corrections, make changes. Fail because, fast, learn fast. Yeah. Cause I feel like, I feel like that, uh, that reiteration, that engineering ideology of saying, I'm going to take something, I'm going to plan for it. I'm going to tear it down, rebuild it as many times as I need to and keep reiterating that process until it's perfected. I hope we never reach perfection, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I hope that we push the limits forever, all the way into our 60s us. and yeah. 70s, that we keep pushing the limits of our physical capabilities, our mental capabilities, and our preparations. Well, And, and don't be af- afraid to fail. Yeah, please I mean, that's do one fail, of the big you know? things. Yeah, I mean, it's much better to fail when you're, when you're training, when you're planning, when you're you know, in, those, in those pre-phases than when you're actually in the crisis situation. And the more that you learn and the more that you go out and you do fail leading up to that the better prepared you're going to be for an actual emergency situation yeah thank you guys so much for uh, for this time thank and for being for able to us. be in the house and having the having family taking care of family here this is this has been such an awesome day so Absolutely. we're definitely gonna have to have rue back definitely oh, rue is killer on the mic <laughs> <laughs> So Thanks, we're, we'll see you guys on the funny pages in the Facebook group and, uh, and hopefully start hearing from you guys. I know it's really tough through the podcasting to leave comments and interact with us, but we really do want anybody that's listening, friends, family, and then, uh, you know, friends that we haven't met yet. We'd really like to start communicating with you guys and uh, start getting ideas for new subjects. There's clearly a lot of information that we want to get through. Today was a preface. Today was literally just like, a, oh, hey, by the way, just... We're going to scratch the surface that we're going to go down this route. <laughs> this this isn't the route. This is, There's so much information that we're going to start getting out there. So please be a part of it. Can't wait to hear from you guys in the funny pages. Later.